Welcome guys to your favorite football show, The Clean Tacos Podcast. I'm your host, Chike, and with the crew today will be talking about Man City's draw with Chelsea, Bayern Munich falling 8 points behind Leverkusen, the MPFL, and we'll ask the question, which current teenager has the best chance to win the Ballon d'Or in the future? Now remember, if you're not following us on the socials, just search for Clean Tacos Pod. And also, you can subscribe to the podcast on your preferred podcast app. That way, you get a notification when a new episode is out and you don't have to go looking for a link. Right? So, anyway, let's get this show rolling. Let's check in with the crew. Bio, how have you been? I know you had an exam during, was it Wednesday? How did it go? Yeah, exam went well. Um, On to the next one. Uh, it's actually a three-part exam, so that was the second part. Um, so okay. hopefully I can round up the final ones within the next couple of months. Um, nice. So otherwise, it's been a pretty chilled weekend. Uh, you know, even though everybody has to deal with the insane heat that we're facing in in Lagos, it's it's actually crazy. Um, but yeah, um, all in all, good good weekend. Go again this week, yeah. Don't you know how about you? How's your weekend been? I know your team won back to back games. I'm talking about Sporting Lagos, they picked <laughs> up two wins in their last two games, so you must be buzzing right now. Um, well, yeah, so today was a good day for volley wise three points for Sporting, three points for United. I'm a very simple man, I can't ask for more than that. Man. <laughs> good, 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 good. Okay, um, so let's start this episode at the Etihad. That was yesterday because we were recording Sunday evening. This is 9.32 p.m. Um, so yesterday, Manchester City won. Chelsea won. Bernardo Silva. Clipped towards Haaland. It's not going to reach him. Walker. Someone gets in the way again. Rodri! At last! Um, earlier in the season, these two teams met and it was an eight-goal thriller that ended 4-4. This time around, um, it also ended all square. Erling Haaland had a day to forget. I believe it was 10 chances missed. He broke some record. I can't believe. I can't remember which one it was. But knowing Haaland, I think it's just a one day of a bad day in the office. We can, I think we need to... Uh, right, too much into it. Uh, but let's focus on Alex Disasi. He had one of the best games in his Chelsea, his early Chelsea career, or his young Chelsea career rather, and was largely responsible for the point they earned. Uh, just, just starting with you, just how good was he on the day, and how much confidence will these results give Chelsea heading into the League Cup final, which is this coming weekend? Um, so, I thought the result was a very good result for Chelsea. A lot of people wrote them off before the game and I kind of found it funny. If you remember very well, after the first, like last the 4-4 game, um, I, I said it was obvious that City, Chelsea have prepared for that game as a knockout game. Like as a one-off. It's, it has nothing to do with style, system, patterns, sustainability. It has nothing to do with that. It's go out to the pitch, get a result on the day and... 
I said if anybody was going to pick points off this city team, it was the Chelsea team, and it was mostly because of the edge they had in transitions. Right? If City played two systems, one on the ball and one off the ball, they stopped it for a while, man, and they just continued it obviously again. I was really surprised when I saw Kondi stepping up into midfield to make it a 3 2 4 1. All right, but that, that system has a very, very big disadvantage. And disadvantage is when you lose the ball, your back three is too far apart. Most of the teams that play inverted um, full backs, they, 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 they switch one way and the other. So it's maybe the right back goes, so they're covered on the left, or the left back goes and they're covered on the right. But if you have one person in out of the center back step up, you now have a right back, a center back, and a left back, and the gap in between them is too much. So I, I I was not surprised when Chelsea kept on seeing chances um, over and over and over again because the system was always going to put them in trouble, right? You could see that mm-hmm. uh, Chelsea um, City got into the game a lot more when um, what's his name Bernardo when Bernardo came on to exert some sort of control and and all of that. So I think um, on the day it was a fair result. I think Chelsea missed a lot of chances. City missed a lot of chances too. But um, Killjoy, Form Police. I think the decisive performance is overrated. If the person that you are in charge of has 10 shots on goal, then what were you looking at? Sorry to say. I'm never sorry to say. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) You just poured cold water on on that performance. But yeah, I get where where you're coming from. Um, Okay, um, Bio, um, the larger problem for Man City is that this season at least they've won just one game against the traditional big six so that was a three nil victory over manchester united in the derby but this season they've lost to arsenal they've drawn to chelsea twice they've drawn with liverpool and they drew with spurs that three three draw right is this trend a worry for them is this what is going to be their achilles heel in the quest to win four league titles in a row something no team in england has ever done or no team in the modern era has ever done no i I wouldn't say that so manchester city have a game in hand um that's a game in hand that they play in midweek and if they win that game they'll be within a point of top spot so despite the fact that they've barely been able to take points off their most direct competitors um you know, they are still well and truly in the hunt for the title. Um, they, they, there's there's another go-around where they have to play these guys. Okay, I think they've played Chelsea twice. Other than that, I think, yeah. um, you know, every other team, they, they have another they have another game against, you know, to, to put that right. And the ones that will, the ones that will count are obviously when they, when they host Arsenal at the Etihad and... The 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 reverse fixture against Liverpool as well, yes. Yeah, so those are the two that they will have an eye on. And if they're able to take points, if they're able to take points, any points, like it doesn't even have to be a win. If they if they're able to take points in both those games, I will still put them as favorites for the title. Because okay. what the, what you know they will do is they will beat the teams that they're supposed to beat by and large. So. No, I think they're still in a very good position. Okay. Uh, speaking of Liverpool, um, this on Saturday was Brentford 1, Liverpool 4. Good header on that from Cody Gatfo. Look at the pace of Mohamed Salah, who had absolutely no right to catch it up. Collins does well, but not well enough against the returning Mo Salah. Back with his usual bang. 
first we've seen of him since New Year's Day. It's his 19th goal of the season, and that should wrap it up for the Reds. Uh, Brentford simply laid down and decided not to put up a fight. I tweeted something jokingly that um, they need to investigate some players for you know, gambling because last year they found someone guilty. They might as well just try again and see if there are more players guilty in that team because that was a that was a horrendous performance. It was almost as bad as the West Ham Arsenal game the week before. Anyway, Mosala made his return. He had a goal and assist. Um, I was happy with that for FPL purposes. Uh, but the sad news for them was that they lost a few players to injuries. Uh, we don't know the extent of the injuries yet. But before the game, they were without Sobosly, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Alisson. And then in this game, they lost Curtis Jones and Diogo Jota. Those two came off in the first half, right? So, um, to uh, still sticking with you, uh, Bio, do you think the Liverpool team, they have enough quality to overcome this mini-crisis? Because it feels like what they did was to... But what they've been doing so far is like overwhelm people with their attack and that covers up for some other deficiencies they may they might have or they may have in other departments right uh, so like i said do you think they have enough quality to overcome this mini injury crisis because uh their two main competitors that's arsenal and manchester city are a lot more a lot healthier at the moment mm. yeah did nunez also go off with with an injury Oh, so yesterday. I may have missed that. I may have missed that. I'm not so sure. I may have missed. Yeah, he was. yeah, yeah, yeah. He went off. He went off with an injury. He okay. went off at halftime. Yeah, and um, oh, yeah, I saw reports they saying okay. something about um, hamstring strain. Yeah, I think that's the most. I think that's the most telling one for them. Um, so. Bio, I, I, everybody knows. knows, knows yeah, know, yeah. Know. I, I love. I love Darwin Nunez. I love Darwin Nunez. He's just. He's just such a fun guy to watch. Um, so I think that, that that's the one that... So in terms of the player who is probably most important to them, I would say that's the more, more important one. So it'll be interesting to see how long he he's out for, you know, if it's a short to, or medium-term thing. There was also talk of Diogo Jota's injury being knee-related. And once you hear anything about the knee, you begin to worry that it has something to do with his crochets. Uh, but I guess we'll find out more in the week to come. Fortunately for them, Salah had Afcon is over and <laughs> and decided to come out. He, he decided to come out to play. Um, so if I mean if if they have any two if they're able to field any two of um Salah Nunez and Salah Nunez and um, what's this Colombian chap's name? Um Diaz I think oh, yeah. they will be, yeah. I think they will largely be fine in the coming weeks, and hopefully that gives them time to recover the other players. At, at right back, Connor Bradley has been pretty impressive filling in for Trent Alexander Arnold. Obviously, yeah. he doesn't yeah. he doesn't interpret he doesn't interpret the position in the exact same way, uh, yeah. but you know he's 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 been pretty solid, and um, the team haven't particularly lacked anything. In his absence, well, except for Trent's otherworldly creative ab um, abilities, so I think they can. I think they can hang in there. If Nunez is back within the next two, three weeks, and I think I believe there's an international break coming up in March. Um, so 
if they can just make it to the next international break, I think they will also largely be fine. Uh, they play Luton in midweek, I think, ahead of their Carabao Cup final, uh, which happens next weekend. So, yeah, um, they'll, they'll, they'll figure it out. Yeah, um, just a word on Conor Bradley. Um, last season, of course, he spent it on loan at Bolton Wanderers and he was the player of the Bolton Wanderers player of the year. Uh, he was also the players player of the year and young player of the year. So he won three awards. I think the last one he shared with James Trafford. But I mean, he's a brilliant talent. Like you said, yes, he may interpret the role differently from Trent because Trent is just a unique talent on his own. But that's one person to look out for. It's been interesting to see what they do with uh, both of them because Trent is obviously not, uh, he's in his prime and Bradley is someone that has a very bright future. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how Liverpool juggle both of them. Yeah, so uh, obviously, so I think Trent's in the last 18 or so months, we've seen it with England, we've seen it with Liverpool. They, they are, you know, they are particularly keen on getting him into midfield areas. So, yeah. obviously, with Klopp going in the summer, um, it will be interesting to see how the new coach uh, uses uses him. You know, particularly if it's a guy like Alonso, uh, you know, who I think I said last week is pretty flexible, can play 3-5-2, 4-3-3, he comes to Liverpool, yes. So that will just be another, it will just be another thing to want to look out for next season. Okay. Uh, we're just hours removed from the Manchester United game. Luton won Manchester United 2. Oh, it's a bit short. Hoyland, what a massive opportunity. Round the keeper, Hoyland! Oh. Rasmus Hoyland, rampant Rasmus, strikes within the first minute. What a start. Uh, Rasmus Hoyland, he scored twice in the opening seven minutes. But the Red Devils, they somehow made things unnecessarily difficult for themselves. The game ended 2-1 and some people might feel that a draw for Luton would have been a just result. Anyway, Dutton, you said you're a simple man. You just ask for wins and your teams have delivered wins. So I'm coming to you on this. Uh, we've said all we possibly can about Manchester United as a team. Um, and I don't want us to sound like a broken record. So for a change, let's focus on the positives, which is the Danish striker Rasmus Hoyland, right? So he became the youngest player in EPL history to score in six consecutive games and also the fourth United player to do so after Eric Cantona, Van Nistelrooy and Cristiano Ronaldo. I'm going to go ahead and say that's, that's good company to be in. Uh, anyway, what do you think the ceiling is for Hoyland as a Manchester United player and is this someone that you can see leading them to a league title in the future? maybe even the Champions League, of course, with the right pieces around him and the right coach around him? Um, okay, so it's very young. We cannot like put a lead on the ceiling yet. Um, it's very, very crude, and he has raw um, intensity and, and all of that. has most of the qualities that you assume a top striker should have. And most importantly, he has that nose for getting into the right positions. Um, you see, even chances that he misses, you see, it's just uh, around the right positions to just get mm -hmm. that um, a sharp finish. So, uh, I think it's a good one for him. I think if the pieces around him are right, then we will know the true extent um, of his of his abilities. So, um, I, I thought at one point today, it was really good. At one point, again, it dropped off. 
at one point he got back into the game but it's it's mostly the inconsistencies of the Man United side. So, um, like I said, we'll just have to wait and see. But it looks very, very, very promising. I was making a joke with one of my friends during the game that by five minutes, Oilon's clothes are already dirty because he's ready to roll over the field, run and hassle everybody and, and all of that. Right? You could see first goal, sniff of danger, got into right position. Second one, shot that was going wide redirected it quickly and all of that so it's the type of striker you want to to lead your line if you have intentions of winning things um big i'm still very concerned about his injury record um at one point the commentator said something about um him being in taking a knock being down or something like that but I got up uh, i went right back to it so maybe united might need to get in one of those um you know those strikers that are one-year contracts that are maybe 31 32 that yeah, I find we playing um, 20 minutes today, tomorrow you start and you go off and all of that. Uh, I mean, like I think Anthony Marshall's mm -hmm. exactly something in that line when, when Cavani came into United for the 2021 20, season ish. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I think if he has some, if he's even a very good, experienced player, it can also be a mentor for him to show him the things that yeah. only people that have done it will know. So, We'll just have to wait, wait and see, but all the signs are positive at the moment. Okay. Uh, we have talked about your good day. Um, Bio, let's also talk about your own good day. Good faith, let's talk about your own day. Uh, last week, you said any day Thomas Tuchel loses is a great day. So I'm guessing you're absolutely buzzing right now. Uh, we are also out removed from their lost Bokum. Bokum 3, Bayern 2. So it's Stürger against Neuer to potentially seal it for Bokum! And Kevin Stürger comes out on top! Less than quarter of an hour And this is a day after Bayer Leverkusen equaled their record for the longest unbeaten run across all competitions to start a season. That's in Germany, that is uh, 32 games. Uh, Bayern, they are now 7 points behind Liverpool, no eight points behind Liverpool in the Bundesliga and this was their third loss in a row in all competitions now of course remember they lost the last in the Champions League and you know the easy scapegoat would be Opamecano who didn't have the best of games in the 3-0 loss to Liverpool and he got sent off in the games against Lazio and of course earlier today against Bokum was also sent off but we know it's a lot deeper than Opamecano, so we're not going to pile on him. That would be very unfair. Um, again, last week, you gave a detailed answer on the whole Bayern situation, so we won't go into that. Um, for listeners who may be joining us for the first time, uh, you can actually go to the last episode and listen to the breakdown we had about the Bayern situation. We won't go into that. But... Um, Bayern, just going to, I'll keep things simple this time around. Uh, what should Bayern do with Tuchel right now? Stick with him or start another rebuild? Or like let go of him right now, start another rebuild? Because things are not looking great at the moment. And I just I read reports a few minutes before we started recording that um, the president, the club management, everyone, they've called a meeting to see what they can do about the situation, which is looking very ugly. Yeah, um, so obviously the chances that they are going to win the Bundesliga are beginning to look pretty slim, particularly with that eight-point gap you, you were just talking about there. 
So this is not a regular Borussia Dortmund where you are sure they are going to bottle it up at some point, <laughs> or they are going yeah. to bottle it at some point rather. Um, but so I think I don't think it makes sense for them to sack him now. Um, if anything, I, I, what I would expect is that they actually wait for the return leg of the Champions League game against Lazio, assuming you know they don't lose any any more games in the Bundesliga between now and then. If they wait, um, let's see what do they go through against Lazio. If they do, that might give them, a, you know, that might that might just stay stay the Bayern board's hands in terms of pulling the trigger, and then you know they can take it from there in terms of you know who who do they join the next round of the Champions League. Uh, but I think certainly Bayern will be asking themselves questions of you know if this is the guy that they want to. If this is the guy that they want to move forward with, um, you know, I think before we came up, before we came on, on before we started recording, I was talking about how I think I said this last week as well. How it seemed, it, it was it was ridiculous that they they sacked they they let La Guzman go. I think he's one yeah. of the top coaches around and will be and will be one of the top coaches for a long time, and it seemed to have been. You know, for the benefit of guys like Thomas Mueller and Manuel Neuer, right? So for for a guy like for a guy like Tuchel, they they also need to start asking because obviously the most high profile falling out he's had has been with Joshua Kimmich, who he doesn't particularly seem to rate, um, not not necessarily as a player, but as being suitable for you know the defensive midfield role that he he wants to play. But what I would expect Bayern to do now would be to have an eye out. And I think they would certainly be discussing this. Everybody wants... Shabby Alonso is the hottest ticket in town right now. So, if Bayern are able... Bayern will be... Because, obviously, everybody knows Liverpool are probably interested in him with Jürgen Klopp heading out in the summer. So, I think Bayern will have one eye on that situation in terms of... Hmm, do, do we start laying the groundwork for bringing in Alonso this summer as well? Because uh, in a in a in a in a summer where um, Liverpool, Barcelona, possibly Chelsea are looking for managers, right? You don't want to be left with the short end of the stick by delaying too long before you start uh, before you start figuring out who you want in charge of your team next season. So I think they will certainly be doing that. They they will certainly be having a look at that. So what I expect them to do is see how things play out within the next three weeks. By the time the second leg of the UCL tie with Lazio comes around and probably start chatting. You know, they, they probably have Alonso's, um, they probably have Alonso's phone number or whatever, mm -hmm. considering he has, yeah. he has ex-teammates in the Bayern team, you know, he, he played for Bayern Munich. So that, that's the route I would expect them to take. Okay. I think that's fair enough. Um, like you said, time is running out for them. Uh, 12 more games to go in the Bundesliga. I remember it's um, shorter than the other league. So 12 more games to go there. And Leverkusen seem to have this one almost almost in the bag. It's a long way to go. Uh, but uh, let's see how things go. Um, in other news, Kylian Mbappe was benched after the decision to leave. PSG was... I guess, given the green light by Fabrizio Romano. Um, he did come off the bench to score in the 2-0 win over Nantes. 
um in italy roma we are back to winning with 3-0 win away at frozenone uh, i don't know if you guys saw a dutch teenager dean hodgson Hodg uh, from um he scored one of the goals of the weekend the center back um anyway roma they are now sixth they are four points of the champions league sports and it seems like the decision to fire a certain portuguese is paying off uh in spain Madrid drew with Real Vallecano. Uh, they led. Uh, I think they came from behind to get a point. I'm not sure. Uh, so, but I know Kabayah got. So they led. Right they led. Yeah, they, led okay, they yes. led. Yes. Yeah. Also, scored yeah. first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Kabayah got sent off. Um, their lead has been cut. Their lead can be cut down to three points if Girona wins tomorrow at Bilbao. But that will be very tough. Uh, now how tough athletic Bilbao can be at home. Uh, but sticking to Spain, uh, yeah, I mean, Lemar, we, we talked about him a lot last weekend and, you know, we keep praises on him for his two goals. Uh, this past weekend, that was yesterday, he provided an assist for Lewandowski in their 2-1 win over Celta Vigo. He now has five goals and six assists. I mean, for a 16-year-old, that's not bad. Um, anyway, we have a question that someone threw at us says which teenager in world football at the moment has the best chance of winning the ballon d'or in the future um i'll start with you Dotu. which teenager do you have first uh, uh so it's tricky right um i think we've moved past um ballon d'or have basic, basically become popularity awards in the sense that it's mostly the biggest names um, that win those awards. And like we said before the Ballon d'Or was given, whenever votes come up, a lot of people look at players with the entirety of their careers and not exactly the year on their review. So it makes it a lot more difficult for... Um, like, how did... The new cats... It makes it a lot more difficult for new cats to win these awards. Um... Teenagers that are on fire at the moment, I think, um, obviously, there's Yamal. Um, there's the easy um, Kobe Mino as well. Um, I'm missing somebody right now. Yeah, there's Emre at PSG as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 yeah there's Emre at PSG. But that's not even the person that's in my mind. There's somebody I'm missing. Ooh, oh, okay. Not Gabby. No, let's be serious, please. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's good. You don't hate Gavi, not Ballon d'Or. I, I think he's decent. I think he's okay. I think he brings. I think he, he brings a lot more to the field than people give him credit for. Everybody just talks about him like he's some togo or something like that. I think he's decent, but I don't think like it's not even going to win Ballon d'Or of Pedri. Like his team, do you understand? Like that's mm. my own thoughts on him. It's not like he's not good. He's good, but but I'm talking about exceptional. Well, I remember the person that I'll, I'll probably chat to. I'll tell you, but yeah, those those are the people. Those are the young stars that are that kid. I think Florian Vitt is already twenty. Yeah, or 21. all those guys, uh, Musiala, all those guys. Yeah, like, I think like, they're, they're twenty, twenty-one. Yeah, I think Bellingham yeah. is twenty. Um, yeah. yeah, so a lot of them have already crossed uh, crossed the threshold. But again, you know how football is. Um, somebody will just break into the scene at twenty-one and. I have a stellar season. I mean, two years ago, someone I said Bellingham was going to be 
one of the front runners for Ballon d'Or. Lots of people look at yeah. Kessie for the. So that's how True. football works. But at the moment, it's just those guys. Coincidentally, I saw something about Wenger saying Yamal is going to be one of the best players in the world next three years. So, um, if there is a manager that has an eye for talent, it's Arsene Wenger. So, we'll just watch, watch and see with that. I hope I, re- I really hope I remember that person. Okay, because I, uh, Bio, just going to you for the same question because he, I, th- I think one thing we have to before you ask, there's one thing I think we also have to bear in mind is that. There are some clubs that you be at and you like stand a better chance of winning this award. So obviously there's Barcelona and there's Real Madrid. Real Madrid most especially. If you're in these two clubs, uh, your chances of winning the Ballon d'Or historically it goes high. Then uh, back in the early nineties, I know if you have if you were in Milan, you had a pool as well. You know those those teams. For some reason, the voters always. Uh, we are kind to players from those teams. Not to say that th- not to say that those winners didn't deserve it, but I mean, just look at voting patterns: Barcelona, Real Madrid, Milan. Those three teams they produced. If I'm not mistaken, I some of them did not deserve it. <laughs> uh, Bayern, of course. So, some of them did not deserve it. Uh, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> anyway, Bayern was your answer. Some of them did not deserve it. Uh, okay, call the name. Call, just call the name. Caravaggio number one. <laughs> okay, I prefer not to speak. I prefer not to speak. I prefer not to speak because I mean I know you've said um, you've you've mentioned that uh, you you rate uh, what's his name um, Kelini above Cannavaro. So I know I know your thoughts on Cannavaro are well detailed, are well documented. Um, by how about you? Which teenager do you feel has the best chance of winning? Yeah, so so just just like Dotson said, a number of guys come to mind and they realize that they are no longer in their teens. Um, mm-hmm. good players like he mentioned, Florian Vert, there's Giorgio Scalvini at, at Atalanta, there's Ryan Checky at Lyon. Um, the, the tricky thing, and th- that's just based off ability alone, right? Because these mm-hmm. guys are still in their formative stages. So where I differ from Dr. Abit is that I believe that um, the, the, the Ballon d'Or shout is usually most about outputs. Like, forget the sentimentality around Messi's most recent win, right? Um, okay. So I think the criteria... So I think I, I, I align with you more in a way because I think the criteria, first of all, is okay. Everybody first looks at, okay, who has been the most successful successful club in, in during the period or who has been the most successful clubs and countries during the period. And then they try and pick players who have made huge or consistent contributions to those teams. Um, you know, so for... For, for the guys who are still in their teens, you, you think of, like I said, Zaya Emery, you think of um, Lame Yamaha, you know, and, and all of, yeah, you think about Kobe Maini too, but I, I don't really think, I, I don't believe that, um, I don't believe that midfielders, deeper line midfielders and defenders, I don't believe when, it, unless things change, I don't believe that we're in an era where this, these guys can realistically win. There is so... so yeah, so I think and just tiny with what Chiki said about you know being with the best clubs. So a certain Brazilian talent called Hendrik is joining Real Madrid next summer. How how he fits in the in a front line 
of Mbappe, Vinicius, Rodrigo. Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to work out, but definitely with his ceiling and with his contributions to <clears throat> Palmeiras winning the Copa Libertadores, right? No, sorry, that wasn't Palmeiras. It was Fluminense that won the Copa Libertadores. So Palmeiras winning the Brazilian Championship. Mm. Um, you know, you you have something to go off in terms of okay, um, the output is he's capable of raising. Lamin at 16 is ridiculous to have 11 goal contributions already at the age of 16 for a team like Barcelona, particularly with you know with uh, with with their current predicament uh, to be their best player. He's been their best player for about for about the last month or two now. Um, so that says a lot about what he can achieve in the game. There, there are names that we can, I mean, we can call other names, but to be honest, there's there's basically very little to go on. So, uh, no, I don't think he's out that level. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I think for now, just based off what we've seen, I'll stick, I'll stick with, I'll just, uh, it's not everyone, it's just like an educated, well, just extrapolation, right? It's not because of anything. Yeah, I'll say Hendrik and Lamin. Okay, interesting. Um, I think I have Warren Zary Emery, but that will that will depend on on him moving to a bigger club. Now, I get your point on Endridge, and I actually have him written down. But one of my problems I have with uh, Madrid now is that they have, I think, in the future they're going to have lots of uh, players that are Ballon d'Or worthy. They are going to have lots of players that are like um, Ballon d'Or worthy. Yeah, so there's Vinicius who, in the near future, in fact, from like next season, two seasons now, he's going to be in the Ballon d'Or conversation. The same thing with Bellingham. If Mbappe joins them, like everybody expects, Mbappe is also going to be, you know, in that conversation as well. Andridge, I think he has the quality to be one of those players. You get. So they are like in a situation where you know um, uh, they had Ronaldo and they had Modric and you know uh, Modric was the guy like they pushed forward for the award and it upset Ronaldo. It's going to be interesting to see how they juggle that because uh, you know there's, a, there's like a little bit of politics that goes into all this. But um, to the point you made that this award can be like a stat-based award, which it has been for a very long time, even though the award winners, Messi and Ronaldo, they've deserved the awards. But there's this uh, there's this appeal that, you know, stuff in the stat sheets brings. And, you know, when you look at the age grade they were looking at, um, Yemi Lamal has one of the best chances. Oh, Dan yeah, Gula. That's, the oh. that's the person I was trying to remember. Oh, okay. So Madrid as well. So it's going to be yeah, Madrid as well. The juggle, the juggle of that. I mean, Madrid, man. The, the future is so bright for them. It's I'm I'm jealous. I'm jealous of I'm jealous of them. Um. Anyway, Champions League preview. We'll start with um, Barcelona, Napoli. I mean, we just talked about Barcelona and you know their win against Celta Vigo. But about Napoli. Um. Remember under Rudi Garcia, a decision that we criticized here. In their in his twelve Serie A games, he had twenty one points. He got sacked, and they brought in Walter Mazzari, someone they were familiar with. And Walter Mazzari, twelve games in charge right now, he has fifteen points. So 
the same number of games for Rudy Garcia, 21 points for Mazzari, 15 points. They are ninth in Syria. Uh, they're coming off a 1 1 draw with Genoa. Cyril Ngongi was uh, came off the bench to score the equalizing goal in the 90th minute. Our guy Victor Sime didn't play any part in the game, he wasn't even on the bench. But yeah, this is a tough times for Napoli, they just keep sinking lower and lower. Uh, um, what do you expect from this game, Napoli? versus Barcelona in Naples? Um, so I expect it to be a very close um, encounter. I think both teams will try to be overly careful because both of them are not exactly in, um, in good place at the moment. I know Barcelona results-wise have not been bad, but they've had to script for most of this their for this, most of this their results. So um, I know that it's an away game for them. Uh, I don't think Xavi has played any knockout manage, um, match as manager of Barcelona yet. So I think this will be his first. So he would understand the importance of being careful. Uh, luckily for him, away goals don't count anymore, so he can afford to be um, conservative. You know, with the incentive of away goals, you try and get one yourself. Mm. Um, so he can afford to be conservative. And all that. I feel like Napoli too will do the same thing. Both of them will try and turn it into into a chess game, and ultimately, individual quality will tell on the day. Um, I'm expecting this to be a very boring 0 0. Oh, interesting. Okay. Porto Arsenal. Now, Arsenal, they're coming off this big win over Burnley on the road, which sounds like what we are seeing last weekend. They're coming off a big win over West Ham. Now, since they lost 2 0 to Liverpool in the FA Cup third round, they've picked up five straight wins, but this isn't like your ordinary uh, five wins in a row, right? Uh, three of them have come away. Um, but those three, in those five wins, there's been two 5 nil wins and a 6 nil win. So 5-0 against Crystal Palace, 6 nil against West Ham, and like I said, just this past weekend, 5 nil against Burnley. There was a 2-1 win over Forest, and of course, that 3-1 win over Liverpool. Now, in their last three games, I believe they faced just two shots on target in the last three games. So, they are not just dominating on the offensive end, the attacking end. Defensively, they've been very mean. They've been stuffing the life out of opponents. So, they are operating at a very high level. And to me, this this reminds me of those ruthless, champ those ruthless Liverpool teams in you know there was a period where liverpool just were very good in the champions league even though um they won just one title uh but they were always getting to like the latter stages of the champions league and every time they had like a midweek game they always took care of business very early in the weekend before so we saw a lot of so we saw that with arsenal i mean they have a champions league against porto on wednesday they played an early kickoff game against burnley and within like uh or was it within within four minutes Odegaard already scored Bukayo Saka scored again in the 41st minute and from there it was just it was just an easy ride you know took care of results early no need to make it like a tense game like you would like say for example the Luton Luton Manchester United game today you know they just took care of business early so we're seeing this ruthlessness from Arsenal and that feels like the next Stage in this their development, so it's not just winning games; it's about being ruthless. is in behind here. And he made the early run. He's done so well. Guy Havertz. It's a lovely goal scored by the 
how he loves playing against Burnley. And this is exactly the reason why Arsenal really running away a bit. Burnley nil, Arsenal five. I think Arsenal are actually dark horses for this year's Champions Okay. Um, yeah, I I wouldn't depending on the luck of the draw, I would I wouldn't be surprised if they made it to the Senate. Um Porto um you know Porto in in their time with Sergio Conceição as a coach, uh they've been they've been a pretty good team, um, all in all. Uh but I think there's been a massive drop in quality in their squad. They've lost guys like Luis Diaz. They've lost Octavio to Saudi Arabia, uh, you know, and I think a couple, a couple of a couple of other a couple of other exits. I can't quite wrap my head around now. Um, so that you know, um, I think that they're a team in transition as well. I think Mediterranean is joining in town in free next season, um, and when you just look at the overall play, you just look at the overall quality. Um, you know, between both, between both, um, between both sides, I think there's only one outcome here. Uh, but to also tend to play in a straight forward two as well, um, so you can you can expect that they'll probably be looking to to hit um, Arsenal on the break in these games. Um, Arsenal will probably dominate a bit more. Um, all in all, if Arsenal are able to find their scoring boots, I I don't expect this to be a close contest at all. Okay. Um. Just before we leave this Porto Arsenal game, uh, Dortmund. I know your thoughts on Burnley. Just taking us a bit back, I know your thoughts on Burnley are well documented. Or well, your thoughts on Vincent Company. Um. There's this line of thoughts, right? That um, there's this school of thought, rather, that one of the reasons why he's very insistent on playing that open game. Or playing his own style of football, sticking to it and being stubborn uh, with it, being persistent with it, is that he might be aiming for higher jobs and he's trying to prove that he plays a certain style of football. So even if he even if he gets sacked, he can still get like he can still feel upwards. Or like say someone like a Chris Wilder that plays quote-unquote negative football or a very conservative but still loses uh that i mean if chris wilder gets sacked from sheffield which we expect anytime soon he's not going to fail upwards it's going to be a lower job or a job of that same level right but company is positioning himself for a high, for a higher job and he's doing that by sticking to his principles what do you think about this um actually it's not far-fetched and it's not far-fetched in the sense that um for example, even though it's a wild, wild guess or wild take, for example, a lot of people expect um, Roberto De Zerbi to leave Brighton. It seems like the type of person that can go to Brighton and do well, right? Because principle-wise, structure-wise, and getting the basics in terms of being proactive and uh, attacking, he seems to have all the tools to do that. Now, the problem is one of the characteristics of a good manager is to pick and choose your battles wisely right so there's no say like if you watch brighton play against the big teams now they pick and choose their battles wisely. not, not like they pack the boss or they play mm -hmm. the blocks or whatever right but there's a way they attack the teams that they feel they're better than and there's a way they attack teams that they feel are better than them right so company can easily go there and do this whole 
they let them beat me again and, and all of that so it's it's the theory is sound in the sense that a prospective employer will look at his in-game management his style of play the structure uh, we can even talk about bravery even though i consider it foolishness anyway <laughs> and, and 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 all of those things and it would help him for a job like 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 i said brighton if uh, if he goes to brighton if he does well at brighton if he does better at brighton um okay maybe he can go to spurs or everton who knows right um maybe forest do you understand there are teams that he can actually go to and do well again you know um uh, how do they say that somebody is only as good as his tools or whatever you know that the, player, the quality of players in Burnley are not so good right so maybe if he has a um, better players his um, idea of the game can reflect more on the pitch and and all of that but i would have just if i was a Burnley manager i would try and be proactive but i would do it with common sense looting don't pack buses now looting play as expressive as possible they've mm. given everybody everybody has gone to their house this season um city arsenal united they've given everybody a tory time right i don't and think anybody has won i don't think any of the top six has won with a two-go margin i know city won two one sports won one zero liverpool played one one i think yeah. chelsea won two one as well so it's, it's if you go there and they play yeah they, they don't they, they don't play deep blocks they try as much as possible to be dangerous and all of that when they play the smaller teams i think smaller teams are beating them with bigger matches because then they feel like oh, okay these people are our mates we can go toe to toe with them and and all of that so the theory makes sense but then again if i was a prospective employer i would also like to see and um, like a what's that word whatever of common sense in your game so your theories are right that's as a manager but apply sense too Okay. Uh, last bit on Arsenal. Uh, Chucky, Chucky is joining us for the first time in a long while. Uh, I think he waited. He waited for Arsenal. To, Chucky is proud. He's proud. He waited for he waited for Arsenal to be on this long Sm- small trip. five straight wins. He's proud <laughs> for him to join us. Chucky, what's up? Um, I'm good. <laughs> um, so I'm going to ask you something in line with what Bio said. Uh, he did mention that. To him, he feels like Arsenal, they're one of the dark horses in this year's Champions League. Never mind the Premier League now. The Champions League, they're one of the dark horses. And it's a sentiment I, 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 I agree with because, I mean, if you think about it this season, which teams do you really feel can beat Arsenal over a two-legged tie? Like, confidently say can beat. They showed that they can beat Man City. I mean, that was just one game, but they're obviously not scared of Man City. Then there's the Real Madrid that, okay, I mean, Real Madrid are a better side than Arsenal. And of course, there's that fear factor. There's that spirit that comes over them when it comes to the Champions League. So maybe there's the Madrid. And I mean, but besides that, is there really another team that you can beat your chest and say over two legs can beat Arsenal in over two legs in the Champions League? I mean, Chucky, what are your thoughts on this? Do you believe that you guys are dark horses for the Champions League? So without um without saying something that man bite me in the ass later because <laughs> I don't know that he's listening. Thank but you. yeah, I actually do believe so because just mostly because of that defense and the structure. So there's one thing that there's a character that's a characteristic 
that I've noticed, let's say, um, over the last two years of Mikaleteda, of Mikaleteda's Arsenal, maybe not before that, but there's this, um, it's serious football. It's not, I know how we, we always talk about Arsenal fans, we talk about the banter era, and we talk about different parts of our history, of our most recent history, to put it that way. But there's a certain seriousness that Arsenal play with this season. Just very serious. And it's, it, it runs through the spine of the team. Now, the only thing... So, yeah, let me answer the first question. The first question is, do I think there's anybody... Yes, obviously, I'm, I'm worried about Man City. Forget that we beat them. Man City, over to legs, it's... It's that big brother that I just cannot seem to get over. Now, you might beat him once, but how are you sure you're going to beat him two times in a row? It's just like... I mean, all of us have... Well, most of us, I don't know how... I know that one has a little brother. I know I have my, my younger siblings. I don't know how you and Bio grew up. But you have those younger siblings that when you were growing up, they always try. They always try to beat you at sports or at some game. It could be Ludo, it could be cards, whatever it is. And one day they might get. They might. They might just do it just because they keep trying. But you, as the older sibling, you're not going to let them beat the second time. Or just to show that dominance, you won't happen two times in a row. And what we are trying to ask is that over two legs will be now. I'm very hopeful, and for the fact the structure of our defense and the structure of our team right now, there have been multiple articles and multiple. Videos that we've seen about Arsenal being the best out of position team in Europe because out of position the structure is just solid. You can't seem to accept if we have to make a mistake. We are, we are not conceding shots, we are very safe at the back. The problem has always been can we score goals? And now, as you said while you were talking, over the last two games we have 11, over the last five games I think it's 21. Striking from 85, team that everybody was crying that we need a striker, which I still don't think we need to be fair. But that's another, that's a whole podcast episode that we can do in the future. As not striker issues, as not striker crisis. It's just never as happens in Europe, Europe number nine crisis. Well, that's it, a whole other episode. But yeah, so I really do think we can. I think we can do it. I think we can um, last. I think we can last. And I'm hoping, as Bayo said, that we get to the semi final. Because I mean, if we do get there. If we do get there, who knows? Also, before I go, I want to talk about Dotun saying something. I wanted to fight Dotun. You know, when you were mentioning the possible career part of this company, I was like, eh? Eh? Dotun went from, <laughs> from Burnley to Brighton and maybe Spurs. But thankfully, at the end, you now came back down to Nottingham Forest. So now that is, that's a fair level. <laughs> so I just want to add that part. It's common knowledge that I don't rate I was just calling number of teams that like um, adventurous people, people that are all so, foolish. Anyway, so, so because if you if you mirror his career with Garonio now, even when Garonio was at Bournemouth, we saw that Garonio knew what he was doing at Bournemouth. So so again with so now he went now nah, he's at Wolves and they are playing well. This guy has not shown anything at okay. Dude, so so that, that's the that's the well, that's what the problem is. So at Bournemouth, I thought Garonio was doing an okay job. But his employers did not think so. They sacked him. Do you understand? So the first part of the no, no, you are you are hundred percent correct. All of it's not even just you. All of us watching Bon That's my. That's the point. Wait now, tricky calm down. You did not listen to what I said. I said that if what the people that will employ him are the people that like brief people, I consider what company is doing foolish. But if somebody thinks it is brave, the person can pick him up. That's the main clause to it. Once somebody thinks that, oh, okay, this guy is brave, he can do this, he can do that, then they will consider him. To me, what he's doing is foolish because I don't know why you're going toe-to-toe with the best teams in the club. To be in fair, the let, me, let, me, let me cut you some slack. I don't think I've ever seen 
a football club coming to the Premier League. Uh, and this is in my history of watching football. And I will see so many individual errors. Like, you know, <laughs> in the kind of errors that this one, you can't even blame the coach. But, but when you tell them to do more than what they can do, that's where mistakes come from. So I think it's a lack of experience. I think I think Bonnie has suffered from a lack of experience. A lot of young players, a lot of uh, I don't know what. Let them just go back. They're wasting. They're wasting space. <laughs> okay. Um, let's move over from the Porto Arsenal game. Uh, I think most people are expecting Arsenal to be buying a miracle, at least qualify from this round. Um, PSV Dortmund. Um, PSV, they are top of the league, of course. 10 points clear in the Eredivisie. They've scored 70 goals, conceded just 10. It's just ridiculous. Uh, Luke de Jong is, I mean, the same old Luke de Jong is their star player this season. 27 goals, 11 assists. I think his good performances are just playing under the radar. And some of them have been, like, outside um, Netherlands. So he has... Seven goals in the Champions League, both qualifiers and the main competition itself. So five in the qualifiers, two in the main competition itself. So he's not just uh, piling up the goals in the domestic league. Uh, Dortmund, they are fourth in the Bundesliga. They're coming off a 1-1 draw with Wolfsburg. And of course, they are away in this, this game. They won their group, so they're going to be away in this game. Uh, they've lost... Eight of their last nine away games in the knockout stage of the Champions League, which is something to keep an eye on. Uh, Bayo, what what are your thoughts on this game? How do you think it's going to go? PSV versus Dortmund. Well, you know, you know my thoughts on Peter Bosch. He's made it to yeah. one. Yeah, he's made it to <laughs> one European final um, in his career. That was the Europa League final where Jose Mourinho called him a poet. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but. Um, so it's a pretty tough call because I feel like PSV are well this this version this this version this PSV are probably the best version of a Bosch team we've seen since he was at Ajax, right? Um, I don't know what that says about the quality the, the, the quality of um, of of the Eredivisie. I believe this is also his first job back in the Eredivisie since since he left since he left Ajax. I could be wrong on that one, but I, I think it is. Um, as for Dortmund, um, again, they're, they're a team that they're a team that don't particularly, uh, despite the resources they have in one, uh, you know, comparatively in the Bundesliga, um, they're a team that have one or two tactical issues. Uh, they they have question marks tactically in terms of particularly their head coach uh, Edin Terzic, and during the winter break. The club actually went as far as bringing in two assistant coaches for him, uh, two of the club's former players, Van Benga and Nuri Shaheen, who was Nuri Shaheen was actually a coach in Turkey. I think it was Antalya Sport or something. Um, and then they brought those coaches in for him specifically to address these tactical issues. Um, they are still trying to find their best form. They alternated between a 4 um, in recent games in the in the Bundesliga, but but they, they, they've um, you know they are currently not in the running for for for, for the title, obviously, and um, probably are now in a in a battle for fourth place with RB Leipzig to secure fourth place. Um, 
it's it's a pretty tough call because you have you have a team that is not in the best that is not in the best form and you have another team that is in the form of their they're in the form of their lives, right? But in terms of viral quality, you still expect Dortmund to be superior to PSV and to have the tools to hold PSV. And knowing that PSV well bush teams, you know, they, they, they tend to have a soft on that baby. I must say that this one is pretty tough to call for me, but I think Peter Bosch might just I think Peter Bosch might just uh, Peter Bosch's PSV might just win this one. Okay. Um to the final game of the Champions League group stage, uh sorry, knockout stage. Inter versus Atleti. Now Inter be on fire right now. They've opened up uh what is it? Just to be sure. Let me check the league table right now because Juventus is true. So yeah, Inter they are nine points clear on top of the Serie A and they have a game outstanding. So it, it's pretty much wrapped up. Um right now, Lateral Martinez, he is the man on is a man on fire. He is the second most clinical striker in all of the top five leagues, only behind Harry Kane. And I don't know, it seems like there was just something after that huge disappointment at the World Cup. Where I mean they won the World Cup eventually, but remember he lost his starting spots and um I don't know. It's kind of lit something. It lit a fire under him, and he has just improved. So he's he's morphed into this complete striker that is not just good in front of goals. I mentioned that he's the second most clinical striker after Hurricane, but it's not just about his goals. He's also providing passes. He's also doing the dirty work. Uh, after being named captain, he has stepped up a notch. So right now with the Syria, he leads all the strikers in goals through passes sliding tackles interceptions defensive duels he has 23 goals in all competitions five assists 20 of those goals came, have come in the in the league for assists in the champions league he hasn't really excelled like that in terms of individual performances just two goals but between that time and now he has gotten to another level to me this is the tie of the round inside let's see two sides that can be very defensive that can match each other in terms of um, um physicality they have two managers that are tactically very sound um zagi has done fanta a fantastic job at inter you know uh Dutton, how do you see this one playing out um this is like i said this is going to be the tie of the round to me uh, how do you see this playing out that's uh, going to be a very tough one. Um, I know we did uh, recall the, um, the round of sixteen games. Uh, I think in December or so. Yeah, I've seen I've seen both of them play um, a lot since that time. And every time I see Inter play, I'm like, "Oh, Inter is going to beat Atletico." Then I see Atletico, I'm like, oh, "Atletico is going to beat Inter." So it's it's really tricky. Um, I saw part of Atletico's game over the. Uh, in fact, I saw Inter's game on Friday. They won four Yeah. And they were, I think, 3-0 up at halftime or something like that. Then I saw Athletic play on Saturday and they won 5 nil. So, you just... Uh, how is this going to turn out? Um, the difference in the two sides is I think that... Um, I think Athletic, Athletic and Simone have seen it all. In the sense that um, they played 
almost all yeah the players chop and change and all of that right but i think they've played everybody simonia has prepared this team for everybody possible has played this the tripit madrid just played that demonic bastona team i think he also knocked out bayern in 16 clubs liverpool Guardiola city they've done everything right um more often than not they always get the favorable results or even even in the occasions where they don't get that favorable results they they kind of leave their mark right so um i think just that experience might come into play i think inter will have I think Inter will play better over the two legs, but results-wise, I'm still leaning towards Athletic. Okay, uh, Chuki, is this something you agree with? Because uh, this past weekend, Athletic, I mean, with this game in mind, they rested Griezmann and Morata wasn't on the, the, the... He wasn't involved in the match. I don't think he was on the bench. He definitely didn't start the game because... Um, uh, yeah, he didn't, he didn't start the game. So, uh, what are your thoughts? Are you leaning towards uh, Dutton's prediction that uh, over the two legs, that Inter might play better, but Atleti would do just enough to get the result because they've been here, done that. They've faced the best this past, this generation has had to offer and they know how to handle it. Yeah, honestly, I, I think I'm with Dutton. I, I, can't, I can't bet against Atleti, especially in a knockout competition. I really can't. They have structure. They have a manager that has been there for for well, for the last uh, many years of them actually being good. He's been there. He, they know him. The team know him. They know his system because the same system he has. He doesn't just tweak here, change here. Same system, and then they have an X factor. And um, in competition, in knockout competition, I think that's pretty much what you need: solid defense, solid structure. Everybody knows what exactly you're supposed to be doing, and you have an X factor. And again, the manager is Cholo. You, I can't bet against him, honestly. So yeah, I would so I think, um, in time I play all the football they want to play. They might look good. They might look great, but I don't see how Atletico go. I don't know. It's a tough. It's a tough game. It should be very interesting. It should be very interesting. Okay. So that's going to be it. I for think. It, I think it's our. Okay. I think it's personally. I think it's our go through. Oh, okay. Uh, you want to point out why? I think. Uh, you know as. As much as Inter are the highest goal scorers in Syria, they're taking the most shots, most expected goals, and all of that. I think they're actually also a pretty pragmatic team, right? Very um, pragmatic. So they, yeah. So they are not just um they play they play great football. Don't get me wrong, but they are not just some um, JJCs that have come <laughs> that you know that that are having that are having fun in each in the park. Don't forget, they're also last season's finalists, right? Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, they've, they've got some pretty hard-nosed defenders. They are pretty flexible. They play. They play a guy like Matteo Matteo Damian at wing back on one wing. They have Di Marco. If they are feeling pretty cavalier, they'll bring in Denzel Dumfries to play right wing back. You know. Um. Then I think their midfield is the area that can possibly be exploited the most. But if they if they're able to control the game, I think their technical technical quality they have in midfield is levels above, um, you know, well, Atletico Madrid can currently muster. Um, I think and I believe that you know, um, with with them able to. With them able to control the tempo of the game, they have all the tools. Like they're technically excellent, excellent team. 
between Barella, DiMarco, Chalanoglu as the first line playmaker, Benjamin Pavard at centre back, Alessandro Bastoni as well. That is look, I, I cannot I cannot overstate how technically capable Inter Milan are and they can they're able to take this thing out of the game, they're able to pop it. And when you have a strike partnership, I know that Let's Go Madrid have a pretty good strike partnership as well with and uh, with Griezmann and Morata if he's fit. Yeah. Uh, well, I think with Thuram and Lotaro in their current form, I would be, I would be, I would be surprised if I would be surprised if Inter don't advance to the quarterfinal. Okay. Just to add to that, uh, you mentioned their midfield and how technically gifted the uh, Hakan Chanunoglu. I think his his um, his improvements or his growth or over the past few months is something that has really gone under the radar. I mean, this is someone who I think after they lost Brozovic to Al Nassar, um, I think he, it has really benefited him because he has moved over to, like you said, the deep line playmaking role which was not his natural position and i remember a few was it a few months ago when was it that he he said he feels like he's one of the best midfielders in the world and people just laughed it off but he's someone that has really changed his game and in italy i know lots of people have compared it to and this is a stretch i know but they've compared it to the way perlo changed his game um towards the latter stages of his career now, obviously, these are two different classes of players, but it's just a similar pattern where he went from being, like, say, from being in an advanced role to being in a deeper role, dictating play from much deeper. And similar to Prelo, he's very deadly from set pieces, if not deadlier from set pieces, as we all know. So there's that. I feel like he might actually be the X factor. We've mentioned, I mean, Griezmann, Morata, Thuram, all these guys, they need no introduction. We all know what they're capable of doing. But I think in Chalanoglu, I think that's someone who can just seize this midfield over two legs. And I think I agree with Doctor. I expect them to play better over two legs. Uh, but it's a tough one to call. Um, yes, yeah, tough one to call. Anyway, we'll take a break here. Up next, Birdwatch, where we'll discuss all things Nigerian football. Welcome to Birdwatch, part two of the Clean Tigers podcast. Uh, on Birdwatch, we talk about our favorite birds, the Super Eagles and the Super Falcons, as well as all things Nigerian football. Remember, guys, you can follow us on all socials uh, at Clean Tigers Pod. And if you've got questions for us, feel free to send them out via a DM or you can mail them to us, cleantacles at gmail.com. And of course, we'll answer them. We always answer questions on this board um so yeah bird watch talking about all things nigerian football um this past week the new fifa rankings were announced and nigeria moved up 14 places to 28th on the list so we are the third ranked african country morocco is first with 12th at 12th senegal they are second at 17 and then there's us we are 28th uh, Dr. just quick thoughts on this FIFA ranking. Do you think um, is a proper representation of the ranking of 
which is i mean which is a very weird question because we just so we are just one week removed from having uh a new champion in africa crowned but what are your thoughts on the FIFA ranking no i, I think the, the rankings reflect um um, the true standings, you know, it's not like everybody was on ground zero before the rankings were done after the AFCON. So some people already had points before the AFCON and the AFCON negated what they, I think we jumped, um, I think five, six places in Africa also. Um, mm. We're showing ourselves to be stronger than a lot of people thought we were, including myself. Um, we got good results against South Africa, Angola, Ivory Coast, um, Guinea-Bissau as well, so all of that should count for something, especially considering the fact that only one team did better than us um, at the AFCON. So yeah, I think by the time you consider where we're coming from um, and what we tried, what we managed to achieve at the AFCON, I think it's a fair reflection. Okay, um, but I don't know if you saw the Juventus game. There's a Nigerian that's called. I gave you the goal of the weekend. So it was uh, Juventus against Ver- Juventus against Verona. It was at Verona, and uh, Michael following Rocha was a two-team fight. He scored and he assisted before. I don't know if he went off, but he scored and assisted. But that goal was a crazy goal. I don't know if you saw it. Obviously, he's not. Uh, I saw the goal. I didn't see the game, but I saw the goal. The corner away by Rabiot. That's Folorunsha. That is a glorious goal. Michael Folorunsho, with nominally his weaker foot, has pinged one into the top corner, and it goes from bad to worse for Juventus. Uh, he's, a, he's an Italian Nigerian. I think, sure, I think it was in our second or third episode. You know, we had this um, bit where I was pointing out that there are lots of Ni- Italian Nigerians that are popping up here and there, and he was one of the names I mentioned. Uh, he's not been capped for Italy, obviously. But due probably to me, be. yeah, exactly. He's a midfielder with that position. I don't think he would be. Uh, do you think there's someone that we should be keeping an eye on to come help us in that midfield? Because I mean, that's the position that we've in the past we've said we've lacked. So I don't know for sure if he will be the answer to all our problems. But uh, he's a good. He seems like a good option to have. Just, just bring uh just bring as many options there's no harm in having as many options as possible um between frank omeka and alexi will be they must have played they must have played about 90 95 percent of the available minutes uh i know i know alassane used to play, play that first game but other than that they must have had they must have played about 1995 minutes okay i think joe came on at some point so only a dicker i don't think didn't get any i don't think go any game time but suffice to say even though he's not in the bracket of a barricade who uh who personally would be my topic for somebody we should be coaching from from the foreign national team i think it never has to have as many options as we possibly can uh and particularly options that are playing someone who is playing who is getting regular game time in one of the top leagues in Europe, in Europe, and I think Syria has actually come up, come on leaps and bounds in, in the last two or so seasons in terms of the overall quality and and the appeal of the game. So yeah, definitely <coughs> sign him up if he's interested. Okay, there's, I mean, my preferred, my preferred or my favorite Italian Nigerian remains Michael Carrier, the right back for Fiorentina. 
honestly, if you can get that guy, I think he's someone that can really improve the national. Don't worry, that one, that one will be capped. That one will be capped by Italy before the Euros. I'm talking about it. <laughs> uh, that will be a huge steal for us if we can get him. But uh, I'm not holding out for it. Uh, Tyra when he was was on the score sheet for Forest, um, was a two 0 win. Who did beat? West Ham. Was West Ham? Yeah, yeah. Forest West Ham. Yeah. I don't know if you saw. Um, um, David Moises post-match interview where he yep, was I saw the press and he told them they're never going to get better or what we'll yeah, yeah, like this, this is yeah that they can they can get so basically his own version of the football <laughs> heritage interview by Mario in twenty eighteen, <laughs> I think. Moyes told them they can't get better than him. Can you but Moyes about oh it, 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 so contra- so the d- major difference between what he did and what Mourinho did was, you know how Mourinho like um, created a timeline as says from yeah, yeah, 2013. Yeah, yeah. So Mourinho says in their history they've never had it this good. They won mm-hmm, the European mm-hmm. Championship last season. They're eight in the league. They're consistently yeah. in Europe. They're 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 consistently fighting for European sports. When has it ever been that good for them? And that's facts, right? That's ever. So it's a different thing to pick on, say, the banter of a club and say, okay, from 20, 20 2011, or what year did Mourinho start from? Uh, I think that's the major I part. Well, away from, also. Mm. yeah, so away from the Mourinho interview, please, did you see Aoni's yeah. shirt? Yeah. Who's going to read all of that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I think... <laughs> That, you know, there's this, there's this Twitter, there's this Twitter meme, right? Where someone just says, yeah, yeah, I'm happy for I'm you. Happy for you. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I ain't reading all that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Anyway, that's two goals for him since he came, since he came back from um his injury. Um. So yeah, good news for the Super Eagles. Honestly, wish we had him at the AFCON. Well, sticking with the, the national team, uh, Zaidu Sanusi, he suffered a season-ending injury for Porto, I think, in their game yesterday. Um, if you can remember, he battled injuries during the latter stages of the AFCON, and he only just returned to, not full fo- not full fitness, but, you know, just good enough to, to play, and then getting this huge blow ahead of the game against um, Arsenal. So, um, sad, sad for him. Hopefully, he gets back to um, he gets back to his best next season. Uh, beyond limits, the the junior team for Remo Stars. I don't know if you guys saw that news of them doing so yep. well in in this Italian. So they are in Italy right now, going for. Some, oh, they're back. Oh, they are back. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the junior tournament in Italy. So I saw they won one six zero, another one three zero, and then the one against Florentina six four. So I mean they are doing so well. Uh, I, I know the amount of money these guys are pumping into uh, the football team. So and this is something we we spoken at length in, about in the past. Uh, so it's not just about the players that they are investing into. So the players, infrastructure. I mean, Dotun, you said you've gone there, you've seen with your own eyes what uh, Remo Stars are building. So 
like I always say, it always warms my heart when people invest in sports and they get the benefits. So, I mean, seeing them go out and compete with people that um, are of, I don't know if I will say higher quality, I think higher quality, yes, but at least better organized, seeing that these guys can mark them is, is a thing of joy, honestly. Um, anyway, to the MPFL updates, Dotton, I'll let you take this one. Uh, your guys are coming off back-to-back -back victories in the MPFL at Sporting Lagos. Before the break, I believe they were 18th on the table. There is someone that is always making fun of Sporting Lagos. Ali, you, I, know you, I know you know what I'm talking about, Dotton. He's always, <laughs> always hated on Sporting Lagos. Uh, I believe he's a kind of... I don't know. Is it is it is it Kano Pillars for? I'm no, not sure. It, uh, no, Kaduna. I, I know he stays in Kaduna, but I'm not sure of his team. I know he stays in Kaduna. Uh, but anyway, you guys have won back to back games. You've moved from 18th to 13th now. Um, so just tell us a bit about those victories. Um. So for the first time this season, that was on Wednesday. Uh, for the first time since I missed the Sports Lagos home game, um, I was tied up. I so when you say you are tied up? When you say you are tied up? Did you ask Please, it was on a work day. This, this is the, this is the, this is the, Jesus Christ. What was the rating? What was the rating of this? This is better to be like a family podcast. Something that people can play on their own. What was the rating of this show? Do we have to bury it? It's important. Are you? Are you? Are you a super joke? I mean, it should work here. Okay, so you're tired of it. So I, I couldn't I couldn't live normally during the week games I find a way to escape. Uh, but I couldn't leave the office on on that particular day. But it was a good one for Sporting Lagos. They won one nil against a very difficult um River United side. You know River United are one of those teams that are, um they made the CAF Confederations Cup elements. I think they're yeah. out now and, and yeah. all of that. And the way they got there was based on um on proper defensive structure and all of that, right? So it, it was always going to be a very difficult team to break down and uh, that. But luckily for Sporting Lagos, we got a very lucky goal as well. I thought it was a cross. I don't know if you guys have seen the goal. I thought it was a I cross. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I've probably seen the goal too. I thought it was a cross. Someone ended up in the back of the net and and that was it. And today, quick freaky, quick thinking and all of that against another very very defensively solid side Bendel insurance um i think today's own was a bit more personal um everybody that follows the mpfl knows that sports lagos fans rule that um that stratosphere you know they are all fans support everything everybody knows that sports lagos has that on lockdown so sports lagos went to benin sometime in in december and lost 3-1 and Billy fans were trolling and all of that so it was good to see them some of them traveled to lagos and it was good to see them get a i mean you've been to the stadium you've seen how their pick on yeah. can be and there is mm -hmm. another team on the other side uh, another um, supporters club on the other side now um, sporting blue wave i believe so imagine coming to lagos to come and collect embarrassments so um good for sporting lagos you know um in as much as the the European transfer window was quiet. It wasn't quiet here in Nigeria. 
Um, Sporting Lagos had a lot of exits and entries. Um, I believe Sporting Lagos saw six people leave, um, including some of my favorites. Um, Emmanuel Odafi left. Um, Saturday Okun left. Um, Balogun left as well. That's three, right? Uh, I think Godwin Udo left as well. Uh, Esau left, and there's somebody else that he hadn't played a game up to this moment, so he left as well. And we saw incomings, incomings like um, Tochuku. Uh, we saw, um, I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting his name now. I'm trying to learn the new players' names so I, <laughs> so I don't mix them up and all of that. But there's a David Adiliki, interesting name, in centre back, and he has shown, um, like a commanding presence in, in the center of defense. There's also a Jamil Mohamed in midfield now. And the way I see it, the new signings have brought um, a brand new, a brand new, um, they brought brand new confidence to the squad. Before the transfer window, Coach Paul has always played the back five, right? And with the new signings, they've reverted to a back four. So he believes that some of these guys can actually handle um, instructions and there's no more need to use um, quantity to cover quality. So it'll be interesting to see how Sporting Lagos push on from here. I know that the next few games are away and Sporting Lagos have managed to pick up, I think, two or three points away from home this season. So it's no win, just a couple of draws and, and all of that. So I don't have my, my hopes high for for that. But um, the most important part of every league anyway is the title race. Um, Remo Stars picked up a point away at um, Abia Warriors. Um, it's taking them back to the top of the table, especially since um, Lobby Stars lost um, a yeah. way to play to United. Emba is, is, is third, I believe. Um, yeah, Emba yeah, is exactly third. Um, and in, in as much as we make noise about um, big goal margins in the Premier League, so that in the, in the events where goal difference comes into play, um, everybody will have um, the added advantage. Remo Stars have a goal difference of 10, and Lobby Stars have a goal difference of 6, and Iba a goal difference of of 3. There's still a lot of big games to come this season. We're just in week 20, and we're going all the way to, to week 38. So, a um, good one for my team, which is my primary business, and I would like to see us finish in the top half this season. I mean, obviously, from the beginning of the season, the goal has been to stay in the league. We're a, new, we're a new team, we're a two-year-old team. Most of these teams are 25, 30 years old and, and all of that. So it's always good to to feel among... I mean, most people start taking us seriously and if we can make the most of the players that we brought in this window, then it becomes a lot easier to bring in players next window and push the team further forward. Chugi, just to touch on what Dutton said, uh, there are lots of uh, players coming in and a lot of lots of exits as well um i know the last time we were on the pod you mentioned um uh your preference for strikers coming in oh, baby the, players to, the, the players you want to see what have you been impressed with what the sporting leagues have done in terms of the new signings this past window okay so for for me i'm not that um i don't have as much information about these guys like Dotson does so I'm hoping I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. Obviously, my my middle dream is over because he's gone. So, <laughs> but yeah, they made some they made some a lot of people left. I I, I, yeah. I it looked like it was a summer transfer window, honestly, because I didn't know. So I saw the reports that I saw when they they put out a list. I mean, they put out an article saying 
the following players are basically no more at the club. I was like, oh, let me go check. And I saw like a bunch of people. I was like, wait, what's happening? And I had to go check how many people actually did come in. I was like, oh, this oh is really God. a lot of business. So they put, they put, they've, they've, the management have basically backed the coach, I guess. Because the only time you make changes that much in the middle of the season is basically you're backing your coach. So they backed the coach now and I hope they do make top half as Dotson said. That top half finish is very, very important. Yes, it's a new club, it's your first season in the league, but you don't want to have to deal with a relegation battle in your first season, honestly. So a top half finish, I hope they do get. And I'm, the jury's out for me on those players. I want to see what they do. I want to see what the delicate guy does. The guy Dotson mentioned, there was also one winger that looked very interesting. I know when, you, when you've played football at a certain level in Nigeria and you've watched a lot of Nigeria football, there are certain people you just look at and you're like, hmm, this guy might have something just just by their look and the size of their calves. So there's there's some people that there's people I have my eyes on. Maybe like <laughs> like two, two episodes from now, I'll have something to say about him. Well, let's so, so so so. Uh, yeah, my boy is back from um, Super. What's his name? Doctor? Remind me the winger that left. The winger with the uh, what's his name? I'm I'm skipping right now. The guy that just returned. It's a issue. That's Kalu. Kalu, Kalu, yes, yeah. Kalu is back. So that's also a good thing for me. So, yeah, it's the mission as Kalu. So, um, side notes, right? Um, in as much as Chiki mentioned earlier that beyond the um, limits went to Italy and they did very well and they were beating people with tennis score lines and all of that, right? Um, you missed one important part of their videos. So, you know, they have a player in the Inter Academy, um, that, that traveled, yeah. I think, um, so yeah, the guy that went last year. Yeah, so they went to see him, and the video is is is, is beautiful. So apparently, he has a, his name is Ebenezer. So um, his nickname is Benzo. The Italians don't know that nickname, so all of them went to the stands to watch him play. And someone shouted Benzo while they were warming up, and he looks from left and right like, eh, who knows that name here? <laughs> and they saw all of them, and the video is really beautiful. So yeah. Um, I mean, if you do proper infrastructure, we have a lot of footballers in this part of the world and we can... And, I mean, they say our borders are not working. We are not making money from exports now. So maybe this hard dollar will even come into our economy. Who knows? Oh, that's true. That's true. Anyway, um, good luck to all of them. Like I said, I'm a huge fan of what they're doing, their projects. I wish my club was like theirs. I went to... Over the Christmas period, I went to the Rangers Stadium with my wife and, man, both of us were just ashamed. The, 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 the state of that stadium, the less and the better. Anyway, uh, we've come to the end of this show. God, when will I go to the stadium <laughs> with my wife? <laughs> no, see, the, the, the Rangers Sporting Lagos game, both of us will be there. Even though she she's a, she's an Aimba fan, so... Um, uh, there's, there's a bit of an in-house rivalry there. We, we, funny enough, we actually don't support any team. We don't, we don't share any team in common. Any of, across all sports. In fact, most of our teams are rivals, like proper rivals. So there's that. Anyway, we've come to the end of this show. For some reason, we forgot to mention that Quincy Promise, one of Ajax's most promising players, Escobar, uh, so, someone who has 50 caps Griselda. <laughs> <laughs> Big ass you know. He watched wait. He got carried away watching watching narcos, <laughs> and he's been sentenced to six years in jail for drug trafficking. I, I, I don't know. Sometimes when I when I see news like this, it just gets you annoyed because people spend their lives trying to get away from this lifestyle, and he's an established footballer. Some people can't get out. Some people can't get out of the hood, man. Not everybody will be able to get out. You might have gotten out, but some people is just. 
embedded. And honestly, it's not even funny because, well, I don't know. I don't know how he his um how he grew up. I don't know the kind of areas of the that he grew up in. But like we've watched people grow up in absolute dead poor communities where this is like there's a story. So maybe it's 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 with the people that he knows or the people around him. I'm going to take there's a story in basketball. It's not only stories, it's written there's articles about it and there are stories about it. So Demar DeRozan plays for oh, the yeah. Chicago Bulls at the moment. Yeah. He grew up in Compton and everybody knows how Compton is in California. Like he grew up in Compton. But he was really good at basketball. And because the everybody anybody that knows the like how Compton is and knows pop culture knows that pop Compton is very blood dominated as blood gang as in the red the blood and the crypts, everybody knows the blood and the crypts. So it's very populated with blood members. I, I so don't know. Have, uh, anyways, because of how good he was at basketball, because of how good he was at basketball, he said it before that they did not let him do anything else. Like it was literally the gang members that would go to his school after school and they escort him home. Just so he doesn't do any little after school trips with friends. Because I mean you are growing up in a dangerous neighborhood like that. You can you it's possible but literally it was literally he said it before that it's literally the gang members that were moving him around taking him home to school like focus on your basketball you're going to make it to the nba do not do anything else we don't if you if we see you anywhere that is not school or the basketball courts you are in you are in trouble so that's what i said just see that example so it's how we don't know how he came up maybe his own people in his own community where he grew up yeah. he wants them push it and they let him be around them Maybe you could just never leave it. He made it as an Ajax player. He moved, he traveled around Europe, played football at the biggest stage. And maybe he just could never shake it, shake that thing from him. Because we don't know how long he's been doing this. He was just caught now. So, good luck to him and his six years. I read somewhere that Demar Rosen doesn't, um, he doesn't attend funerals anymore. That he lost way too many friends to gun violence that... At the point, he just stopped. Uh, yes, now he grew was, up in Compton, uh, and it wasn't it wasn't funny. And he even tweeted something you know, recently about um, like depression and all that because man, when all his yeah, friends, he's, like, he's a big advocate for depression yeah. for um, mental health. Yeah, because he said he's he, he's dealt with it. So yeah, he he has I think he has a show where he talks about mental health with like NBA players. So it's a very very big thing for him. Yeah. Um. Anyway, guys, just don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Don't push them. Um, I mean, this is coming from someone who loves Pusha T, but please, please, let's behave ourselves. Uh, that's going to be it for this episode of the pod. Thanks for listening. Please share, subscribe, leave a review. Um, this is 11 p.m. Thanks to Bio, thanks to Dotun, thanks to Chuki, who only appears where Arsenal on five game winning streaks or more. <laughs> um, anyway, follow us on all social media platforms to keep this conversation going and have a good day.